Here we go. Oh, yeah. Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Antiway. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the movies that just bomb. That just bomb. Oh, uh, I get it. Yeah, the bomb. Because the movie we're talking about is The Goldfinch, where there's a bomb scene. That oh, we, yes, and a bomb. That we see. And a bomb. So you've got your double <laughs> meaning there. Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, along with The Goldfinch, the top five is... Top five... You don't think I know it, do you? You don't. Okay, ready for this? Secret, secret theft. theft movies. Secret I love that. Secret theft. Not theft, but... Secret sh- theft. Keeping it a secret yeah. as long as you can. Theft. That's an interesting spin. Yeah. That was good. You came up with that. Thanks, bud. That was good. You know our top five last week? Do you remember what it was? I sure do. Comedians. Stop. Top five stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians. And we had some people write in we with a few different ones. ones. Uh, we actually had a lot of email. Let me pull up some some of the emails here. Uh, that's uh, this person says Joey Bishop, buddy. Oh, so this person wrote in and said, um, I know you discussed your top five favorite stand up comedians, but you could have talked about comedians who became filmmakers, right? Uh, so Joey Bishop, Buddy Hackett, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, Tim Allen, right? Also, he mentioned Elaine May and Mike Nichols. This is a lot. You were really young, but they were a comedy duo. Oh yeah, you knew that. On yeah, the Jack Mike Nichols. Show. Yeah, yeah, and they both got involved with film, especially Mike Nichols, and of course Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, and Woody Allen. Yeah, these people were all stand up comics. Woody Allen. But you know, I want to say here's here's my my response to that is I would say almost all of the people that we did talk about were movie stars of some ilk. appeared in films right. in some capacity right. or involved with movies. Right. And the only only two that didn't were the sons of Dana Carvey, who I'd mentioned, and I purposely left them off the list for that very reason. Ah. I just said I felt like they needed to at least have had a stand-up special. Right, uh, right. Other, but of course, Mike Nichols and Woody Allen, they became directors, prominent right. directors. Right. right, okay. But also, I mean, while Nichols, I, I don't think Mike Nichols was ever in anything that prominent that I can remember, but he definitely was a director. Woody Allen is, of course... In all of it, right. most of his right. films. Right, 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 right. Uh, some other uh, listeners wrote in and talked about uh, Lewis Black, Richard Pryor, Eddie yeah. Murphy, Mitch Hedberg. Do you know who that is? Mitch Hedberg? Oh, yeah. I don't. Oh, he's dead. He's on my dead corner. Corner, <laughs> corner? Your corner's corner? Yeah. He was, uh, he was dead a, a while back. He was... Known for you, you know Stephen Wright. Do you yeah, know Stephen Wright? Is, of he very he very much had like jokes that were absurd, surrealist. That he was compared to Stephen Wright quite a bit. Was it done the deadpan monotone style as uh, no? He he did have a, a similar style, but it was everything was kind of talking mm-hmm. like this, almost like John Lovitz. But he kind he kind of had a sing song rhythm to it, and it was kind of groovy, and everything was similar to that kind of style and he would say ah. things and kind of draw out some of his words that's very much how how he would talk so he had this kind of rhythm to his delivery in the same sense that Stephen Wright did Stephen Wright almost kind of mumbles yeah, everything just kind of like this and you have to listen very closely or you'll miss it and it's a gimmick but I love it yeah I really enjoy him I actually don't it's, think it's a gimmick I think that's how he actually talks is that what he's like I've heard interviews with him and stuff and he he's not much more uh, animated just, than that sh- that's just I kind of how that was he speaks signature thing yeah. he performs yeah. that's funny how about have you ever Bert, Bert uh, Chrysler do you know who the Chrysler I don't know him I don't know who that no. is um I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. That was this uh, listener's number one. He really said it. He said yeah. you got. You know, I got a few more feedback too that I didn't share with you. Um, Eddie Murphy's Raw. I never saw that. Did you see? Oh yeah, that? man, the Ice Cream Man and uh, was... like Ice Cream. 
ice cream and everybody running out from the neighborhood whenever the ice cream man came by so i heard from a few listeners eddie murphy's raw also other people mentioned gary shandling uh, obviously we have bob newhart andy kaufman and uh, red fox bill cosby and so it goes andy kaufman <sighs> i i can't put him on stand-up comedy list because his stand-up was performance not, art yes it wasn't even stand-up comedy it was like a it was different level it's performance art and truly just some some insane whacked out crazy stuff yeah, that he yeah, was doing yeah brilliant you know i read his uh his biography what was it called in the uh not through the looking glass but he has a really cool biography like the funhouse mirrors or something like that do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Funhouse is in the title, isn't it? Yeah. Funhouse is in the title. The yes, kind of definitive biography of him. Right, right. It's good. And I love that feature film about him. Man on the Moon. Uh, Man on the Moon. Man, yeah. yeah. That's a great movie. And yeah, his uh, his job. friend, um, oh, Bob Zamuda, yes. wrote a book as well that yes. really detailed a lot of the, yeah. the, you know, how he was always wrestling women and stuff and he'd be doing it in his sweatpants and like a full-on with, erection. With, with a hard-on. Yeah. What percentage do you give it any credibility that he indeed did fake his own death and in a few years he's going to pop back and say fooled you? If Can you give that a 5%? If you had asked me 10 years ago... It would have been a higher percentage much than it higher. is now. If you'd asked me 15 years ago, right. I, would have, I would have given it 50, like maybe almost 50-50. 50%, but now it's down to almost zero. Too much time has gone by? Yeah. Now, do you? I don't know if I told you this, but when he... So he was what he died in like what uh, I want to say he died uh, eighty six. It must have been a little after the eighties, eighty eight, something like that. Whatever, mid eighties. Okay. And then he, I'm gonna I'm gonna say eighty six. And then in ninety six, it had been ten years, and right around then is when uh, Man on the Moon came out. Ten years after that, which was like two thousand six, Bob Zamuda had a big. Um, kind of celebration right. of Andy Kaufman and all these stand-up comedians came and Bob Zamuda was there and he had mentioned, he said, you know, Andy always told me if he was going to fake his death, 10 years would be incredible. You know, that, that would be a, a really great prank come back after 10 years, but 20 years would be epic. And so there was kind of this feeling of like, if he was going to come back now is the time he might come back. And of course he didn't come back. But what was really cool is, you know, seeing all these stand-up comedians. And it was at the House of Blues on Sunset yeah, Boulevard. Yeah. When they were done, they invited everybody to go across the street to the comedy store. And there was wrestling at the comedy store. And it was midget wrestling. And all these, like, midget wrestlers came out and wrestled. And they were invoking the, the stand-up comedy that... Uh, he had done in uh, was it Radio City Music Hall where you brought everybody out for a cookies milk and milk and afterwards. Cookies, yep. And there was milk and cookies there for you. So you would get some milk and famous Amos cookies and everything. And then Bob Zamuda said, you know, your ticket, the show is not over. So much much like that show where everybody went to the Staten Island Ferry the next day in New York, yeah. this show is going to continue as well. And we're going to continue it. And your ticket is good for one free fuck at the Mustang Ranch in uh, in Nevada. So he was trying to get everybody to go. And it was like, you have one week. So clear off your plans. Everybody go to the Mustang Ranch. I wish I had known. I wish I'd known you that back then. I, I would have, yeah. Wow. Wow. I didn't go. I wanted to, but I just I couldn't make it all work. Couldn't. And I felt kind of weird going to a prostitute. I felt weird about it. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> there's some well, differences between the you wife, and i well yeah i mean now with a wife and kid but back then 
Yeah, yeah now I wouldn't feel weird about it at all. <laughs> oh, hi, producer Joe. Oh, oh, hi, producer Joe. <laughs> Your daughter's just looking at me. Look at that. She's looking, going, um, okay, are you going to okay. leave us, Dad? Uh, Maybe not willfully. Hey, man, what did you see this week? Are you saying it's time for Summer Old, Summer New? We now present the Week in Review. I am. All right. Am I going to go first? Yeah. Jurassic Women. Not World. No, no, not no. Not Park. No, no, women. no. This is, you know who did this? Your buddy. Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, once boy. again, Lloyd Here from Trauma, Trauma Films. Trauma. Tra- you're right. It is trauma. trauma. I always thought it was trauma. Like, oh, trauma. It is. It's it a trauma. Is a, yeah. Um, it's a horrible movie. Uh, two two astronauts, and uh, they land on a woman with uh, prehistoric women, but they're all in like skimpy loincloths. So what's I, wrong with I this? I was happy. Yeah. I was certainly happy. You know who's in it? Jan Michael Vincent. Oh, really? Jan Michael Vincent was his 1990. And um, and I got to tell you that there was a shot where there was a hair on the lens. And Robert, that was not done in the transfer because it was on that one angle. And then when the camera had a different angle, the hair was gone. Oh, no. So it was just on the camera lens for that shot, right? Yeah. Right. So it was. I, I laughed when I saw Can that. Can I comment on that? Please. One of my favorite films, I saw this in Sundance uh, in 2011, is uh, Bellflower. It's a great film. Fantastic. Uh, lo- kind of local filmmakers. It was a real uh, you know, work from uh, some just independent local filmmakers that were really making it for practically nothing. And in a significant portion of the shots, there is a hair that's in the shot and they just didn't clean the, the camera wow. system that they had built was really prone to getting di- dirty. They built their own camera system. The guy who uh, made the film is a really great inventor and made all sorts of kind of neat little uh, gadgets for the film. But the camera has a significant hair in most of the shots in the first half of the movie. Can we make the argument that it adds an element of realism. It's more yeah. raw. and Because we talked once before, Robert, about glares and flare on the yeah. lens at one time was something to avoid. Yeah. But isn't it true now that with a current wave of um, independent, you almost yeah. welcome the glare? Well, the, the anamorphic, flare? there's anamorphic apps that you can put on your phone where it will purposely try to make that, it's funny. that flare. Yeah. So they that's now a, a design element. Right. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, what else did you say? Okay, so that. I saw The Hitcher, but Robert, I the got Hitcher. all ex- Yeah, but however, we spoke about this before. I was all excited, but it was not the one with Rutger Hauer. That was uh, 1986. You know, they did a remake of it in oh, 2007. Yeah. Sophia Bush was in it, and it was it was pretty bad, and it was just gory over the I top stuff. I saw this. Saw, I saw it. It was just nothing like the yeah. original. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 21%, and there's there's a reason think, for that. I think they're being gracious. They're generous. They're being generous, huh? So I saw that, and the other one I want to mention is, had it on while I was doing stuff last night, Death Wish 4. Now, I get all the Death oh Wishes mixed up. Of course. I know, it's easy. And this is the one, I'm thinking, well, wait, what was the motivation of this one? Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Well, the first one was his daughter, right? Yes, it was his daughter, but in this one, it's his girlfriend's daughter who becomes addicted to drugs so he's gonna go that's the aha that's the mcguffin jeff goldblum's in this one right no that was oh no he's in the first one that was yeah he's in the first one that's right he's in the first one we spoke about that a few months ago Mm -hmm. he is in the first one is one of the cops at the end no i think he's a thug he's a thug yeah yeah all right this is without jeff goldblum but i gotta say it was obviously charles bronson and it was um it was really cheeseball 
Wow. It just it was a cheese ball movie, but uh, Danny Trejo yeah. is, is in it. And I want to say here's your piece of trivia that it was directed by J. Lee Thompson. He he directed the Guns of Navarone in the early '60s. So here he did this movie a couple decades later, and it was just it was just cheesy. Part four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was that the last one? I think it was. The I last think one. it was. It's time to hey, stop. They I also money. saw a part four this week. Did you? And your that was a good transition. Yeah. In your weekend review, and it was, was also the last of a series from the '80s. Superman four, Quest for Peace. Man, that movie is dog shit. Why did you watch it? Uh, because I'd been watching the other Superman movies. I watched parts one, two, and three, and I thought, well, might as well go ahead and watch part four. Robert. Did we speak? What, what's the one where Superman spins around the globe backwards to go backwards in time, make so the Earth go back? Is that we did first, talk about we it. We did talk about this. And I wanted to go back and watch it to see. Which one was that? Was it the first one? Well, here's the thing. Yeah. It depends on what you watch. So that's a great question. I didn't know the answer because all these were like fuzzy memories. It is part one. That's how part one ends. But part of it was because there was a like a missile that was launched and he... Um, takes that missile and sends it out into outer space and Richard Donner was fired from part one and Richard Lester was brought in to direct part two but the DGA says you can't have your name on the film unless you shoot over 50% of the movie so Richard Lester has to had to go back and reshoot a lot of scenes some scenes that had already been shot and completed and everything else and he just had to shoot whole new takes just to say he did it and they added a whole new beginning with all this like bomb stuff in the Eiffel Tower and all of that. Well, Richard Donner, his version was like 80% complete. Um, Richard Lester released his version of Superman 2. In 2006, Richard Donner went back and recut his footage from Superman 2 because they'd shot them both at the same time. And he released the Superman 2 Donner cut. And the end of the Donner cut also has him going back in time the same way and reversing, uh, like reversing Earth. And it's the same gimmick, which is really kind of a shitty uh, approach. Like that's the same way part one ended, which is a real problem. That's a shitty ending for part one. To just say none of this ever well, mattered, we could just go back in time. Precedent, starting a precedent that anything that goes right. wrong, but it's also very selfish because he did it primarily to save Lois. Right. He did it to save Lois. Yeah, and you know something else I noticed is that they keep saying the whole time, like the elders, they, he has like the the crystals from Krypton, and they're talking to him saying, you know, you should not interfere with the with the humans. That's all he does is interfere. Right, it's right. like people falling to their death and he gets involved. Hey, that That's his whole shtick is interfering. And the implication was don't go back in time. But he does it anyway. He does it anyway. It makes a spin. That's a silly. It's starting this precedent that anything that happens that's negative, you can go back and fix it by making the earth go backwards. It's- There's so many problems with those movies that the fact that Clark Kent wears glasses, and that's the only distinguishing factor between him and Superman. That's actually a minor point compared to some of the other plot holes with this movie. Uh, and it, I don't know, I, I was not a fan of those movies revisiting yeah. them. Yeah, I still remember the ad campaign when the first one came out. It was a few days before it took a whole spread in the LA Times said, This Wednesday, you will believe a man can fly. Yeah, and I thought that was the big that's tagline. Fucking great. I love that. It was a double page, you know, the Senate, the LA Times, and what a great campaign for Warner Brothers. And mm-hmm. I bought into it. I went to the movie and was real disappointed. Were you? Know? you? 
You didn't like it? I It was just hokey. It just... The one thing I will say about them is that I like that it is a comic book movie. There's kind of a there's a sense of humor about it that I really appreciate, and I find now as I watch a lot of these more modern comic book movies that I appreciate uh, Deadpool and even Wolverine's well, got Deadpool. a little bit of humor to right, it. Right. There's like a a wink that you don't get with uh, Black Panther and the Avengers and things like that. The, the, it's some of it's lost. It just doesn't feel right. Fun. But was it, was this an intentional wink? I think so. Was it? I think there were a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little yeah there's definitely moments that are winky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's like, oh man, there's there's some cheesy stuff in there. That it's like this could only be in there with a wink. Yeah. Wednesday, you'll believe a man can fly. All right. What else did you see? And uh, what other movies? That- I also watched. Uh, you know, you mentioned Mike Nichols. I watched Mike Nichols, uh, his directorial debut last night. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Wow. Wow. First time? No. I'd seen it before. I hadn't watched it in a long time. Have you seen it? I saw it in the theater when it first came out. What did you think? I I was... It's a heavy play. Yeah. It's a heavy play. Yeah. I got to tell you this, that when my parents went to see the play before the movie was made, my dad actually called the theater, a little local theater on Santa Monica Boulevard, and said... Was there a baby or not? We just we're having a family discussion here. <laughs> Only my dad. Is that a great story? Yeah. My dad needed it. Was there a baby or not? And it was it was this whole dysfunctional. It was it was cerebral. It was heady. Uh, it was over the top acting. Mm-hmm. Great black and white cinematography. Haskell Wexler. Right. He won the Oscar for that when yep. they separated black and white. That and was color. the last That's black right. and white. That was the last black and white. Oscar having its own category. Um, but I guess, what am I trying to say? I was I always liked Sandy Dennis and, you know, George Siegel were the other couple. Yeah. And it was it was over the top, but it was very talky. Yes. And it was it was almost self, help me out. Are we on the same page? Yes. Self, self, self-indulged, self-grandized. Yeah, self-indulgent. Yeah. How, what did you think? Um, okay. I, I, you and I have disagreed about uh, my dinner with Andre yeah. before, which yeah. is also pure talk. It's just, Two people sitting in a, a room talking the entire time, except for a 30-second snippet at the beginning and end, I think, right, of, right. of some right. monologue of right. narration. Right. But almost all of it is just them at a, at a table talking about nonsense, that, to me, it, it, philosophical concepts, I yeah. suppose, but yeah. they're kind of interweaving in and out of actual conversations that the actors had had in, in real life. With this, I felt like the conversation was at least a little more focused, and I found the writing to be very real. Like a lot of the writing was realistic in nature, um, and there was a focus, uh, and there was a point. I just didn't care. Um, I actually, it was over the top acting, but in my sense, in my understanding of it, it was believable over the top because they were drunks, they were lush, they were. I mean, all the characters are drunk the entire movie. Do you like these people? No. How about that? No. I, I, Is I there think... anyone likable in that film? No. Go ahead. I didn't mean it. No, no. I'm, I'm really yeah. contemplating what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but some great acting. Yeah. And I think that's a great... What you just pointed out is a really great example of a film that can still succeed and even bring in accolades and there's no one that's likable in that movie. Uh, and so when people feel like, oh, they're not likable enough, you don't need someone to be likable. Right, right. I mean, Taxi Driver... Travis Bickle is not likable. Uh, in this movie, no one is likable. And they're all kind of grating. Like, they all kind of grate on your nerves. And yet, at the same time, it still comes out as a 
is a great film. You kind of know that it's a masterpiece, although it still feels like homework. As you're watching it, you're kind of like, yeah. okay, here we go. Yeah. And let, yeah. Let's get let's slog yeah. through this. And we know it was, it was initially a play, of course, Edward Albee. Right. And uh, when they made it into a film, God, what was that shot with um, Richard Burton? Oh, the rifle and it shoots out an umbrella. Umbrella, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that. It was like zooms in yeah, on yeah, her yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. It, this should have been a short film. It should not have been a, a a play, and I think it was a product of its time as well. I mean, the the plays that were happening and were that were transitioning into into these kind of plays in the nineteen sixties that were a lot more avant garde, that were challenging the audience, that were using a lot more uh, swear words and things like that. That was all in the nineteen sixties where that really started to develop and right, change. Right, and you know the the cinema at the time was starting to reflect that as well. This is, uh, you know, it. It used profanity in a way that had never really been used before. I mean, not like Gone with the Wind, where, frankly, Scarred, I, I don't give a damn. Yeah. That that was considered right. risque at the time. This really started to break some of those right. boundaries right. in terms of what you could say in a in a film and set a standard for that. Yeah. So I don't know. There there's some good elements in it. It is shot well. It is pretty. Um, but hmm. I don't know if I'd recommend it. Right. Right. Mike Nichols, that a couple of years later, he did The Graduate. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That's Gra- you the Graduate's much better. The yeah. Graduate, I find infinitely watchable. Yeah, it's very absolutely. easy to access. This feels like a play. And it feels like homework. Yeah. Hey, man. Cool. You want to talk about The Goldfinch? Robert, talk us through it. Okay. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, to, I've been talking through forward. it or talk about the gold. Oh, well, after you talk, through, I, I'm so curious. We let, let me. We saw it together and uh, with Robert and his family, his yeah. wife and baby. We all went to watch it together, and a few and a good friend too. And um, we did not say a word to each other, as is our policy. Mm-hmm. And first, tell us about it, then we'll talk about it. Okay. The Goldfinch centers on um, on a boy Theo who is was like 11 years old or so, something like that. He goes to an art museum with his mother, and while he's there, a terrorist blows up a bomb, killing his mother. And in the aftermath, he winds up stealing a painting of the goldfinch, which has had a long history of being blown up in other explosions, even from the artist and everything else. Uh, he winds up going to live with a family, a very rich, well-to-do family. Then uh, his ne'er-do-well father comes and takes him to Las Vegas. He kind of continues out his adolescence living in, in Vegas and befriending a Russian immigrant named Boris. Uh, he then makes his way back to New York in an effort to kind of escape his uh, deadbeat dad and stepmom. And uh, and he gets back into uh, he goes back to New York and is uh, starts up this career of working as a as a, a seller of antiques, right? So an antique salesman and uh, kind of in this kind of shady underworld of selling forgeries of uh, of antiques and comes along uh, the love of his life who was this redheaded girl who was next to him when the bomb went off in right. the first place. And so he's got this uh, painting the entire time and man, there's a complex plot, but it's it, there's a lot to unpack there. So he's trying to get the painting back, which he thought that he had all along. Turns out Boris had stole it from him when he was in uh, right. Las Vegas. And so now he's trying to get it back. That's about it, right? And his, and his girlfriend was cheating on him. Oh, yeah. There's a whole other subplot. Okay. Actually, you did a good job. Well, there's a there's a lot to this movie. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. What did you think? 
I found the movie to be laborious, <laughs> talky, melodramatic, self-indulgent, plotting, but I didn't hate it. Mm, I feel the exact same way. Exact same way. I didn't hate it. I really wanted to like this movie a lot more. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I what I think I really responded to was, I suspect the novel would really appeal to me. Uh, I didn't read the novel, but I think the underlying uh, actions that are happening, the storyline, is there's a lot that's going on that really seems cool. Like, uh, the when... Theo goes to Las Vegas, he befriends Boris, and there is that's when his drug abuse really starts, and he and Boris, um, there's even kind of a, a hint at there might be some homosexuality yes, I was gonna between ask them, yeah. and I think that probably would be alluded to a little bit more in the, in the novel. I suspect that probably would be brought out more. What do you think? Yes, yeah. And it's hinted at here, but it is. There's a there's a mouth kiss when he leaves. But even right. but when even he freaks out in the middle that, of the night, and they're Boris hugging holds their bed him. together, and he holds them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You could tell there's something sexual going on between the two of them, and also just their rampant drug use. Uh, they're 11 years old, and they're dropping acid. They're snorting Valium, and I find that kind of thing to be rare in most depictions of children most depictions of, uh, of children are how adults see children and i feel like this is more of that kind of child i think I'll, there are a lot of 11 year olds who are already starting to get into drugs like that um not many but most most are aware of what drugs are right they've at least heard of them some have even seen them and i'm around students a lot in a major metropolitan area like los angeles they're pretty aware of what's going on and they have a sense for what's up so I don't know. I, th- I think the depiction of uh, kids so often, like so. For example, I saw uh, Good Boys recently. The do you know what I'm talking about? I, I do said, know of it. And Joanna and I saw that, and we were disappointed. One of the reasons why I was disappointed is that these boys were constantly um, naive about what was going on with sexual stuff. Uh, you know, there's a shot at the end of the movie where they're. Uh, I'm not spoiling anything, but they're all on this sex swing together and they think it's just like our parents have a swing and how cool and it's okay okay yeah, i get it yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's the same joke over and over and over right, again if right you don't know it's a dildo right, you know, right or whatever right, right. yeah so that yeah. kind of thing and i i feel like with this the way they were depicting the younger kids was a lot more accurate a lot more mm-hmm. realistic mm-hmm. but i did find exactly what you said i thought, felt it was melodramatic there was some really bad acting in certain parts was there bad acting yeah i thought so from which character? A lot of them. Almost really? all of them. Did I like Boris a lot. Didn't you like Young Boris, Boris or yeah, older Boris? Both. I thought the movie came alive with those scenes. You I liked younger Boris. I thought he was definitely one of the highlights. You know, that's the kid from Stranger Things. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And what about older Boris? You weren't buying that? as Not really. He was a little too forced for me. I didn't like the fact that he had the exact same haircut. It's like, okay, we can figure out they who Boris is. They went to make the without, same person, right? Yeah. By the way, I want to tell you this. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the the movie, we should say, has a lot of flashbacks. It goes yes. By. The novel doesn't. Right. Did, you knew that. Yeah. You knew that. I found that How out later. How about that? How, I, yeah, I found that out afterwards, too. So, interesting choice that they made to... I thought um, it kind of worked here. The back and forth? Yeah. It's way too long. Oh, this movie... Oh, it, two and a half hours. Way too long. It needs to be cut down. Uh, entire subplots need to be just cut out. They're not important. And I suspect 
you know, the, the novel won the Pulitzer Prize. Right, right. And I had done, I did a little research after watching the film, which I don't usually do. I usually just go off of straight gut. But it, the movie did kind of stay with me. Um, it definitely had me thinking about it afterward. And I found that a lot of, uh, a lot of book reviewers had the same problem with the novel that a lot of the film reviewers are with having the with the film, really? which is exactly what we're saying, which is it's way too long. It's, um, it's, the the coincidences. I mean, we talk about oh, coincidences want, a lot. Are you looking at my notes? No. I was really bothered by something. Yeah. I love this. Which coincidence? Was there more than one? There were a few. Okay. And we have this premise. You heard this from someone. You mentioned it. I make so much sense that if you're going to use it a coincidence, it should have negative consequences. Yes. It should be it bad. It should hurt the main character. It should character. hurt the main character. And Vince but, Gilligan said that. I think it was on Better Call Saul, but it might have been Breaking Bad. He, he did... The creator of Breaking Bad. That's that. brilliant. And that's really true. Yeah, in the art so. of storytelling, you can have coincidences, but they should be negative. But here we have a very big one where our, our lead as an adult in New York City goes into a bar to buy drugs. And look who's there. Boris, yeah. his Russian buddy. That wasn't set up. How could that happen? That was a positive coincidence for our boy, for yeah. our hero. And that was that was a cheat. Yeah. That was like lazy writing. Very it's much. okay to have them connect, but let's not let it be. Oh, he's in the bar. Look who's behind me. It's him. If Boris has, is really this upset about the about the artwork and really cares about it, and he's in New York where he knows Theo lives already, would he look him up? He look him up? up. Looked him up. And be like, hey, man, I found you. That's not a coincidence Absolutely. now. Now it's motivated, and it's much more believable. Uh, the, also, what the, bothered another coincidence? Yeah, Theo is like ducks into a flower shop or whatever and sees his fiance making out with some other guy. It was so convenient. Yeah, it was so convenient. Stop. Goes That's into a flower shop. She doesn't the see him. Goes, she doesn't see him. Come on. And she sees them kiss. What are the odds of that happening? Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I do want to point out, you know, I'm very cinematography oriented. It was gorgeous to look at. Yeah. It was, what's his name? Roger Deakins. Deacon. And he did, you know, he goes all the way back to Shawshank Redemption. Right. He shot that. He also shot um, a lot of the Coen Brothers movies, including True Grit, yeah. the remake of True Grit, That's which is a, a gorgeous. Better than the gor- original. Gorgeous. Oh, well, yeah, the original the, 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 horrible. But the remake by the Coen Brothers is a gorgeous film. Again, the same cinematographer and um, and a whole bunch of other movies that he DP'd as well. So it sure looked. Can good. I say? And, yeah, I think some of these shots were beautiful. Some were not. There were a few times I'm going. This should be shot differently. Hmm. Um, this should be no. shot. I don't know. Look, I'll, I'll be honest. I. I think I've been on a Soderbergh kick a little bit lately, and I said to Joey, I said, this needed Soderbergh. It needed somebody to bring it down a level. There's yeah. too much talk about class, and I like classism within films and the discussion of of, of cinema, but it was too hit you over the head with right, it. Right, right. And I think, I think it needed to be brought down on a more street level of shooting style. I think the way that it, it was shot was too grand and opulent calling attention to itself yes and too much so uh now this is not what you were saying can a movie be too beautiful i don't think it was too beautiful right i think it was just calling attention to the fact that oh this this is a beautiful shot now when we're trying to get lost right. in the right 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 in the right. movie right so yeah but deacons he also did fargo also i right. want to mention that too and other films too so it was for the most part nice to look at also the music robert do you remember in the theater i kind of nudged you a little bit and i said yeah. i really like this scene with the music yeah when the two young boys were getting close or something and yeah. it was just some interesting music that really worked for me right i think this was 
we talked about this category before. It was a, almost an art house movie. Can you see it? Yes. As an art? It had a vibe. But a, I will say this. I think uh, some of the casting kept it from being art housey enough. I think it could have I think what they should have done they I think they they probably blew 40 million dollars on this thing and they should have done it for about 10 and they should have done it very lo-fi and they should have gotten non Hollywood actors It's too opulent. Yes. There you go. Yeah. It was too opulent. It was too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Nicole Kidman was Okay, but even she was kind of starting to look a little weird. <laughs> she, her you, face you is starting that. to melt with all that surgery. But uh, she did what she's supposed to do. But Luke Wilson, what the fuck was he doing in this movie? You didn't like his. Not you didn't like at, his acting of he, that character. The casting so was wrong. A ne'er do well. That was his biological father. Our kid's biological didn't dad buy it for a, a ne'er do well alcoholic shyster. Sarah Paulson, I I love her a yeah. lot. I think she seems like a really really nice person. What? But I never believe her acting. I'm always like, she just pulls me out. She's not a great actress. I think she she seems like a really nice person. And I hate saying that, but every time I see her, I, I'm bumped. I just don't buy her hmm. in anything she does. Um, it's just it's not right like there's a lot of these casting decisions i'm like you just you're you're pulling me out you don't let me get lost in the story the way too much uh, extra and the whole ending which i found that the book reviewers were also criticizing is that the ending just feels slapped on well here it comes instead of saying it show it is that what you're getting at like we discovered the painting and then they discovered the other painting and it's all said at the end it's like it's yes, stapled in but, scotch tape but instead even of, like show it Oh, we got to go get the painting real quick. Let's, oh, that was, let's that tack on. The last easy. like 15 it's minutes of the movie easy. is just it's like, easy. Right. okay, we're going to do a heist movie now? Like, right. what is right. this? I know it changed tone. tone. It's it like all tone. of a sudden an international thriller. I like, think it meant like the epilogue too, where they said about the painting and then they discovered the other painting. And there was a Rembrandt too. Right. It was a, That's what I meant. It was yeah, kind of stapled it. on and said instead of shown. Yes. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah the whole thing with the shootout was tacked on. It's like a different movie. We're talking about a shootout. We haven't even described what that is to people who oh, haven't seen the movie. that's right. We should uh, do that the, the ending is very like, huh? Yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah. There was a shootout there. Did huh? just, did, that's good. I like when you make that noise. Um, there's a I reason. noticed your little cameo as the Asian man who ran off screen to go get the painting. That was a nice little cameo of yours there, Ira. I'm sorry, what? Your cameo in My, the movie? I'm in the movie? Yeah. Uh, help me out here. As a little quite, Asian man who little, ran... During the shootout. During the shoot. Oh, that's what I would have done. Is that what you're saying? Oh no, I, that went over my head. Let's try it again. Okay. Ira, oh. I noticed your cameo in the uh, in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they shoot guns, bullets. Is this your Asian impression? <laughs> they don't see my facial expressions. See, I'm yeah, doing. I see your I, facial I, expressions. I'm doing, I'm doing Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh my god! The thick glasses, the buck oh teeth. Oh Say, ah, gunfire, gunfire! I must leave now. I hurry out of her. Do 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 do. Wow. I didn't think it was possible to take the show to a new low, but yet somehow you set it up. You dug a basement. You set it up. So what was it like uh, on set? You know, working with uh, working with set, everybody. Oh, very bright lights, fascinating actors, lots of action in my big scene. I a happy man. Did they give you lines? Did they cut your lines? They, I had many, many lines, but they didn't like my accent. So they, I don't know why. <laughs> Me no understand. Were you, you sound like you were in Braveheart as well. <laughs> they didn't like my accent. 
Wow. Oh, gosh, gosh. All right. So, uh, yeah, 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hey, so this our lead, the kid. Is it that low, 25%? Yeah, is it 25%? Yes. Wow. Um, the kid was a drug addict. Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah. He was a user. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? You know, it's another example. You wonder about going from translation from novel to movie. And sometimes it's successful and sometimes it falls flat. And it's so interesting that one medium was linear in its storytelling, yet this had flashbacks and so on. And we can give examples like with To Kill a Mockingbird that really worked as a great novel mm-hmm. and a great movie. But I remember seeing The Illustrated Man by Ray Bradbury, and mm-hmm. it was a great book, of course. And it didn't work as a feature film. It was a weird little film because Bradbury's writing is so poetic. Right. It's the language, the use of words, and it is like poetry. And it just falls flat as a movie. Here, I don't know what we can blame it on. It was just so thick, and there was too much going on, and this movie needed to be trimmed by an hour. You know, this might have made a better Netflix series or something like that. Mm. And I do like the nonlinear storytelling. I think it's kind of working here. but It was clunky. It was. It was clunky. That's the word. Clunky. Yeah. Can I also say another coincidence that I noticed that no one's really talked about that I've, I've seen? I haven't read a whole lot about it. I just read one or two things. Did you notice that almost everybody, everybody who has a a parent that's mentioned loses a parent. So Theo loses his mom. The uh, the girl that he sees in the uh, the the museum loses her dad and her mom, right? And then Theo loses his dad, and then Boris has already lost his mom. And his right? dad beat him up. And his dad beats him up, but but his dad's still there, right? So dad is still yeah, exists. That's very interesting. And then. The other friend, that Theo's friend from when he's young, yeah. his dad dies, right? And, yeah. and then Theo becomes engaged to Andrew, I think is his name. Andrew's sister, whose dad is also dead now. <gasps> Everybody's parents are dying. What the fuck is up with that? That's interesting. Yeah. And they're yeah. not. these are not old people. These are all kids and maybe like 20s. How, how old do you think they are? Maybe yeah. early 30s? No, maybe? no, no, no. no. No, mid to late 20s. Mid to late yeah, late 20s yeah, yeah. at the oldest. Yeah. And all, I mean, well over 50% of their parents are dead. Right, right. And the point is, in the real world, we don't lose our parents quite at that point in life. No. no. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that wonderful YouTube, um, that thing about the Disney cartoons leave, losing mothers. Yes. Remember that? It sort of fits yeah. that. But so it almost just feels like an, a way to get rid much. of parental characters. Oh. Just be like, uh, we that's would. really interesting. That's really interesting. And that's kind of what I was saying about a coincidence. It all feels forced. Yeah. Well, I want to bring up something, too, that was almost like a through line. Hmm. Everyone Drugs. in this film is a fraud. Yeah. Now, listen, the word fraud, by yeah. the way, this didn't come from me. Uh, shout out to my buddy, Eric. He mentioned this after we saw the film. The painting, fraud. The father, the father, the biological dad's a fraud. The best buddy... Boris, he's a fraud. Our hero's fiance, she was cheating on him. She's a fraud. Yeah. There's a theme of fraud yeah. in this film. So who was real? I mean, the only real people that I could think of were was Nicole Kidman. You know what? You're reading my mind. I was just going to say, and the, the Nicole son, Kidman was, yeah, yeah, she's not a fraud. Yeah. She's actually sincere. And what was it? She wanted the kid to marry, just stay in the, oh. Was she aware of the drug issue? I think she... Maybe. Her characters... And that's why she... she Jeffrey... She was legitimately protective of the boy. Yes. She was legitimately... Her, her heart was in the right place. There you go. Yeah. She's one of the few characters in this movie whose heart is in the right place. Right. 
And now, I was going to say Jeffrey Wright, his character, he was the uh, antique repairman or whatever. It seemed like he had been a fraud, but had kind of come clean. Am I correct in understanding that? I felt that. I felt that. Can I also point out, all right, the scene where the guy in Vegas... There's a, a mystery man that comes to the door and says, is your dad here? And no, my dad's not here. Can I wait for him? We don't need we that didn't see scene. It. We didn't need to see it. There's we didn't. It was like setting that. up showing that the guy was a shyster and doing making bad business deals, right? We and got need it. the kid's money. We, we got that. It. That whole scene, perfect example, was not necessary. We got that from, the, from when he shows up to take Theo away from the rich family and Nicole Kidman is a little standoffish. We already know where everything's going. We get we it. We did not need that scene. And then we get all of these extra character development the, scenes. Hey, of, so, you know, is your father home? We can come in. That's oh, okay. I'll come back. We didn't need any of that. Hey, we need, I need your social security number. And then yeah. we follow up on all this. And, and it turns out that dad has been stealing from his social security instead of you know, adding to you know, some sort of secret account that he's going to leave him $10,000. It's This is all... It, it's extra. We don't need. Clunky. Yeah. Clunky. Telling you, they needed somebody to come in and just start trimming the fat. You know, you were a big fan of her. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. Uh, Spike Lee Spike, film. Spike Lee. And mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this to you before. Uh, I'm sorry I keep sucking Soderbergh's dick, but he had similar problems with her. It was like, this is too much. And Soderbergh just came in and said, cut this, cut that, get rid of this, and just started cutting everything out. And I think this movie needs someone who's not so in love with the, the novel and is just saying, what are we serving to the audience? And how much information do they really need to know? How much information are they willing to sit through? Did Soderbergh had a creative hand with her? Yeah. I, I didn't yeah, know Yeah, Spike Lee was having real problems. He was like... Uh, like getting depressed but Spike Lee like, got the director's credit oh yeah though. right yeah right. so Brooke Soderbergh just came, came in to help advise them choices yeah okay and be like it. you've got to cut this down yeah. start making montages yeah. and that's why if you watch her there's a lot of really textured montages and it's because they are that was salvaged a, those are original scenes. actual scenes yeah that they put they're not just like a, an interesting form. shot right it's like right this is real right uh, if you go back and watch those montages yeah. you'll be able to see you're yeah. like there's something that's going on here i feel like i'm missing other pieces of information. You got the nugget, but that's all you really need from, is the, just that nugget. And that's why. Do you wonder, the filmmaker, the, if they knew during production that the movie was out of control? Isn't that a great question? No, I don't think so. I think they thought it was... They thought this going was going to be a strong Oscar contending. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think they, even after the premiere, I think they probably sat back and went, we made a really good film. I, think that's, I don't think anybody that was on that shoot, I, I would bet they're not willing to acknowledge the problems with the film and why they're getting such low reviews. I think they're like, well, why did everybody hate it? I think they're looking at it as a mystery when in reality... Have you, you seen the movie? Yeah. Right, right. You're making a very... Like, it's a very quiet movie. It's very slow-paced. It feels like homework. It shouldn't feel like that. This should be fun. There's a lot of really interesting ideas Absolutely. that are happening here. There's a good movie under there. Yes. You have to dig a little bit and find it yes. and get rid of an hour. You're... The idea of a kid surviving a terrorist blast where his mom dies, but he steals a piece of artwork and he uses it to try to get back the girl of his dreams and this artwork becomes this symbolism. You're telling me it's a really cool premise. Right. That's really exciting what you just said. And I'm going, that's Too bad that's not the movie we saw. That's not the movie we saw. Right, right. It's almost secondary. Right, right. And it's like, well, let me tell you this long plotting classist structure about... 
uh, different families and how they interact. It's, okay, we're, I'm already your eyes are already glazing yeah, over them. Yeah, look here. So I mean, it's it's very clear that there are some real problems with their approach. Anyway, did I'm, you? Uh, wait, you know what? Yeah, I love your baby. Uh, no, I right. just I just love your. Kid. She's dancing over there in the she corner. How happy she is. Okay, um, money money shots. shots. I have two. Uh, do you? Yeah. Well, do you have any? I do, but oh. mine is kind of a Ira money shot. Oh, of course. It's not significant. <laughs> it's it's the little girl sucking on the lollipop. You're really close. <laughs> <laughs> You're so close right now. Um, what was that? That was like cocaine? Morphine. That mor- morphine. That's yeah. why it's morphine and a lollipop. Yeah. Okay. I, by the way, I want to say her hair was beautiful, but it's so artificial. Nobody has that red of hair. Right. And Hollywood has got to tone it down. They're in love with redheads right now. Have you? If you go back, Is that right? just start watching movies looking for redheads. I'm telling you, it's like a trope. It's a whole new <gasps> thing. And it's a certain style of it. It's not real. It's like red. It's like it's almost fire engine red. It's it's an unnatural color. Real red is like sissy SpaceX red. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like from the original Carrie, that kind of red where you're like, eh, it's kind of an auburn. It's like a almost like a mute. Do you know what I'm talking about? Of course I do. You know why they're doing that? You know why? Why? Because all redheads are going to be gone in 71 years. Yeah, they keep saying they're that. they're dying out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I believe that. No ginger snaps around here. Okay. Well. <laughs> regardless they love their redheads <laughs> i keep saying too much, there's yeah. two two tropes that i keep seeing a lot What's which is other, that yeah, and the yeah. other one is what are you doing here and i hey. that line bothers the hell out <laughs> of me I know, what I are know. you doing I here I, anytime i, I watch we a put movie, a hay in front of it hey what are you doing here it doesn't matter if there's a hay i like or i not. like it with the hay in front yeah yeah uh but my money shot would okay. be uh first of all there there is a really beautiful shot of theo and boris sitting by the pool and late at night, and the coloring is just great. The the um, the the balance. What do you call it? Not balance, but the uh, the composition of like symmetry. That's what I'm looking for. Is is spot on. Is the, the whole, camera up looking down? Yeah, you know exactly. And it's what I'm very symmetrical. Yep, very it's symmetrical. very symmetrical. And I really like that shot yeah. with the two of them at uh, at the bottom of the frame. Yeah, it's a really cool looking shot. Yeah. Uh, also, the shot of the bomb blast coming into frame when they're in the museum. There's a quick shot. I think it's only like maybe one or two seconds. Didn't we see it three times? They there's, had similar shots. Yes, but there's Still one in identical. particular where he. It's during flashback where he is. Uh, he kind of glances over. I think somebody's running at the lens or uh, running towards the camera. And there's a dust cloud that just kind of uh, blasts right at the Into camera. Into the lens. camera, yeah. right. Engulfs the and camera. And that's a really, really it nice a one. Shot. And yeah. I will say, too, I'll be thinking about there's some sweetness. Did he hold her hand or something? There was like, there was a, there was a, a shot of like maybe the girl in the museum holding her dad's hand. There's somebody holding hands in front of the museum. I think I'm already starting to twist my memory of what actually happened because in my mind, Theo grabbed the girl's hand, but I don't think they did. I don't think she met him until after the whole explosion was over. But I'm she not was sure. She was very the, the, pretty. She had this, I think, like a green outfit on. She had something that really enhanced that red hair and mm-hmm. looking at the goldfinch. And there was this whole moment where he's looking at the painting with her right as the bomb goes off. And that was a really nice moment. And now I'm already starting to twist it and warp it in my mind. 
Well, at the end, almost as an epilogue, we saw the four of them looking at the painting. Right. Remember, that was a very symmetrical shot, too. Right. You know, there were there was hand holding your arms around each other. But that's not what you're referring to. No. I know. I know. I know exactly what you mean. I'm not sure if they did hold. I just I think they just glanced. It was yeah, glancing, maybe. I think. I'm not sure. What about you? All right. I have one money shot. This is, again, I'm doing a little bit of a shtick here. This is very Ira. But the, uh, the biological dad's... Um, the deadbeat dad. Oh, here we his, go. Yeah, I know. His wife was uh, kind of skanky. Sarah Paulson. Yeah, Sarah character. Paulson. And there's one shot where we see her on the others by the pool on a chaise lounge. We see her through the sliding glass door where she's sunbathing and rubbing suntan lotion on her legs. And that's what you'll remember? <laughs> I love I'm, you, I'm Ira. a sick fuck. I love I'm you. I'm a sick fuck. You know, you might be a sick fuck, but you're predictable sick fuck. I'm consistent. I, I like I'm that. consistent. You are a consistent sick fuck. Consistafuck. Ah, that's a good word. Consistafuck. Anti-wave. <sighs> All right. Rampant drug use by minors. Like That's good. A, 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 a rampant and uh, unapologetic at that. Uh, that would push it into the anti-wave category. Also, the main character, not... I mean, as, as a boy, not a well-known actor. What, the actor? Oh, the kid. The right. kid. You're right. The older one, of course, is, what's his name from? Baby Driver. From Baby Driver. And, and I can't remember, Engelgort. Yeah, Engel, I have his name right here. Ansel. Ansel, Ansel Elgort. Elgort. Um, does, that does not flow off the tongue. It's a horrible name. He should change it. He should to, change to it. To Engelbert Humperdinck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should, his, he, should. he should just change his last name to Adams. Adams Elgort? His last name. Uh, oh, his Adam. last name. Uh, Ansel Adam. Ah, ah, I got it. Wasn't he like a photographer? He was like a photographer. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What other things make it anti-wave? All right, I've got a Non-linear few. structure yeah, of okay, storytelling? Looking, yeah, number one, you might disagree with this. The fact it's such a long movie. I know what you mean. Doesn't that make it anti-wave? I've I thought about that. It's not conventional. There you go. It's not conventional, therefore it's anti-wave. Well... I don't know if I totally agree. I don't know if I do either, but I put it down anyway. Mm. Number one, it's a long movie. Number two, it's non-linear. It's the whole flashback. That's anti-wave. And number three is uh, it's uh, our hero is a drug addict. Yeah. And and a minor. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Elements or beats that make it non-anti-wave. A lot of high-end celebrities, recognizable names. Not a Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Sarah Paulson. Four, I just Luke got five. Wilson. I just came yeah. up with yeah. five. You're right. Yeah. 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 Um, but here's something. Yeah. The protagonist gets what he wants at the end. Now, right. I, I've been thinking about this. Yeah. Does he get the girl? No, he gets the painting. It, it works at the end, doesn't it? For the most part. Yeah, but everything all the everything is resolved. You know, even if it's not fixed, it's resolved. It's it's addressed and he finally has his big moment with the yeah. girl and they have this conversation right. and that makes it And there's a big shootout at the end well, that's stupid. and it's that's like just stupid. But that's Hollywood. Yeah. Just no. slapping on a big and even though I think it was in the the novel, I think that novel was written that way. I don't think they took liberty. But right. it's like where the where the fuck did that come from? I know. I know. So, yeah, I don't know. This this pushes slightly more non-anti-wave than anti-wave for me. I, I think Are I you give going a, below a five? I think I Are give you? it a five, oh, maybe like a 4.5. No, no, I'm at 6.1. 
I'm going to say a five. Six, I'm at 6.1. Okay. I'm going to... Just like the movie... The movie was not... Was it bad? It wasn't bad. It, no, it wasn't that's bad. why my opening premise with you when I mentioned all these adjectives, but I didn't hate it. Isn't that interesting? But it's not a good that movie it either. Is, it's not a good movie. It's not a good... Talky, laborious, melodramatic, self-indulgent, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. yeah. It's a five. It, this is like straight down the middle everything yeah. for a, for me. It's a five. It's It's not a bad movie. Uh, but it's not a good movie. There's some interesting elements, and it's worth checking out. You know but what's I, sad? It could have been a great movie. Yeah, I, I think that, that's there. Good. You go. That's it. it, it I'm looking it, forward it to the should, remake. It should have been a great movie. A yeah. Remake. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if Netflix had gotten a hold of this, they could have done you know an eight part series that would have been outstanding. Well, they just kind of okay. fucked it up. Well, there you go, man. Good. Hey, who died this week? Ah, I got to tell you, unfortunately, we must. The following people, they done turned to dust. Our coroner's corner includes the following. We lost Valerie Van O, 75-year-old English actress. Robert, I know I've been talking more than once about the carry-on movies. Yeah. And their British films, carry-on nurse, carry-on teacher, carry-on doctor. They made a whole bunch of them in the early 60s into the, uh, into the early 70s. And she was in a number of them and she died. I want to mention somebody That's else. That's too bad. And this, and this one really hurt a lot. I don't think you're familiar with Phyllis Newman, are you? No. Phyllis Newman, uh, 86-year-old American actress. I want to say first that she won the Tony for Subways or for Sleeping, and she was on the Carson Show a lot. In fact, she hosted it very often, um, uh, the Tonight Show, and there's a certain infectious energy about her, and I really, really liked her. She was in films, including Picnic, Bye Bye Braverman. That was an important part. What is that? Bye Bye? I don't know. Bye 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 Braverman? Um, Yeah. Well, I never saw it, but she was in it. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, and mannequin and the Human Stain. I know so she, those. You do know. You know yeah. Mannequin and the Human Stain. Yeah. So she was in films, and I really liked her a lot. And she's dead. And the dead corners, uh, the the corners corner spotlight award goes to Kirk Douglas. I got to tell you something. What? I don't know if I should include or not. You ready for this? Yeah. The, the news story just broke, Robert. He's been dead for three years, but no one knew. So I thought, well, do I include him because he didn't die this week? He's been dead in the wheelchair. And wow. his son didn't know. And they the keep wife feeding didn't him. Know, and they kept feeding him food. And he kept making noises because his body was, you know, releasing changing. gases. Yeah, it was falling stuff? apart. So he wow. died three years ago. And so I thought, but he should he should have been in my dead in my corner's corner three years ago. He's been dead. But I think we can go back a little bit and acknowledge that he was an important guy. He did some pretty good movies. Dead three years ago. Wow. Well, thanks, Crook Douglas, for finally dying. Yeah. Hey, man, you want to play a game? A game? It's game time. Hey, man, do you smell? I beg your pardon. It's time for you to know your B.O. Uh, uh, yeah, also meaning box office. But yeah. In my, do you my really have to step off. on it like that? You yeah, I, tell I everybody? want our, all of our listeners to I understand what B.O. Yeah. So here's well, what we're going to do. We're, we're going to do a little shift on the game. Uh, usually we, we used to play this game in a way that you had to guess the, the amount. But what's happened is that producer Joey has selected uh, a movie and it's the lifetime gross, meaning how much money has this movie made in the box office over the lifetime? So, you know, movies like the, the number one all-time performing movie adjusted uh, for inflation is uh, uh, Gone with the Wind. Right. Right. So we would try to guess how much money this movie has made since it was re- re- released originally. Does that make sense? Domestic or international? Domestic? Yes, domestic. Okay. All right. So we have to guess, is it higher, higher than or lower. or lower? Or the exact same amount? No, higher or lower? 
Is it higher or lower? All right. So, the first up, the goldfinch. <laughs> All right. She put down $2.5 million. Higher or lower? She, she, your wife, came in at a really good amount. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it wasn't ludicrously high or low. But you came in with an arena that it's reasonable. Yeah. That it's really, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's reasonable. I could see it going either way. Let's talk for a second. Goldfinch has been released for how many days? Uh, Probably uh, less than a week. Less yeah. than a week. It just got released on Friday. And, today. Um, we're recording this on Monday. We're recording this on Monday. And it's gone. Is it, it is citywide. It's it's not exclusive. It's kind of yeah. citywide. And um and what's the amount that she quoted? Two point five million dollars. Higher. It's higher. Higher. It's higher. What are you saying? I'm going to say higher, but only barely. Uh, I actually read about this. If you adjust it for okay, for movies that have been released in over two thousand five hundred screens, this is the sixth worst opening ever. Um, because that that's like a threshold for opening in that many theaters. And you know, obviously, there's independent art house films that only make like ten dollars or something like that, but they're not opening on over two thousand five hundred screens. This movie opened everywhere and is not making much money. No one's going to watch it. So, The Goldfinch, two point five million. I'm going to say over, but just barely. So, do I have the answer? On I have here? a feeling we both got it. What's the answer? Two million six hundred seventy-nine thousand and twenty-seven dollars, just, just over. Just barely. Yeah. All right. Little Women, the 1994 version. Do you know this? This is with... Uh, Who is in that? Oh, that was with uh, What's-Her-Nose and What's-Her-Nose. Yeah. What's-Her-Face. Yeah, yeah. uh, Kirsten Dunst was in that, wasn't she? And then uh, the sh- girl who shoplifted. Right, right. That's uh, what I thought. What's her name? The shoplifter. Winona Ryder. Ryder. All right, Little Women, 1994. $60 million, Above or below? All right. Now, this is for... It came out in 1994. Yeah. So it's... We're not including rentals, DVD sales. No, no, no just box, box office. office. Box office only. Under. I'm going to say under, under as well. Under. If I it like did the way make, we're team I know, right? If it did make it over sixty million, it had to have done it all right then. It was kind of big when it came out, sort of, kind of, but then it died off it died real fast. fast. It no didn't one have legs. No it one didn't talked legs. about it afterward. Although Winona Ryder has legs, but the movie didn't have legs. Uh, ah! All right, I'm going to say under. You say $50,083,616. We got that one right. Got that right. So our score is two to nothing. <clears throat> okay. The aforementioned Gone with the Wind. $250 million. More or less than $250 million. Um. I'm going to say higher. I'm going to say higher, uh, too. Higher, higher. Remember what I was just saying. I know that it's... I think once you adjust for inflation, it's right. the number one uh, box right. office movie. Right, So let's I'm going to say more. We're both saying more. We're mm. team tagging? Oh, we lost what? that one. We did? $200,852,579. I want to recount. All right. All right. The Great Gatsby. Which version is this? Now, Do there's you know? three. The one with Robert Redford, I bet, right? Oh, the more recent the, version with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, that one. Oh, All right. the one few people went to see. Um, one hundred and twenty million. This is an interesting one. First of all, can we know the year of that movie? That will help a little. Uh, that, that really won't help too much, will it? Because we're talking about box office. We can not, find it out. Um, this is with Leonardo. Yeah, there's that meme of him holding the martini glass toward the camera. You know. Oh, is that a meme? Yeah. Is that the right word? No. All right. 
Uh, what I do you think, Ira? Yeah. May I hear the amount again, please? $120 million. I'm going to say... Um, 2012, by yeah, the way. 20, 20, I'm going to say it's, it's Leonardo. And he's I'm going to say higher. I'm going to go higher. What are you going to say? Go I was higher. thinking higher, too, but I yeah. feel like I should say lower just to mix it up a little bit. We're going to disagree. We've been agreeing the whole... All right. You're gonna, you're gonna. Go My straight. instinct is to say higher. Higher, but then why are you going lower? Because I think it might be more interesting for this podcast. It's, it's a more exciting, more interesting game that way. Uh, you know, what? I'm gonna side with you. I'm gonna go are you? higher. Now watch, gonna... but if it's lower, you can get pissed at me because I just persuaded no, you to no, go. No, no, I'm, I'm independent. I'm you're... a free thinking person. I'm gonna go higher, higher than 120 million. We both say higher, and the answer is the answer is 144 million eight hundred forty thousand four hundred nineteen dollars. So. We're correct. All right, we're three for one. Three for one. Right. Producer Joey. Gulliver's Travels. Now, weren't there a couple there were versions two, of this? There were two. I assume we mean the classic one uh, directed... Oh, you, she, she's saying no. There's a more current one. Well, we got to write that down on the, on, the, on the screen here when we do these games. Is what year? All right, Gulliver's Travels. All right, what, do we know what year it's from? Uh, we'll find out. All right, the the price here is seventy million dollars. Right, right. Is this the Jack Black version? Okay, with the Jack Black Jack version. Jack Black was was he Gulliver? He no, he was Travels. <laughs> was Jack Black tied down with those little what were they called? The Lumipusins. This is twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten. Was it like sprawled out on the beach and with like they tied him down? Okay. That's all I'm anybody okay. remembers from Gulliver Travels. Yeah, I know. That's, that's yeah. the logo as far as I'm concerned. Um, tell me the amount again. I'm sorry. $70 million. Right, right. And you know, it was a bomb, wasn't it? It a bomb? was. It, it was, was a, a bomb. famous bomb. Yeah. yeah. So I think $70 million is high. I think so too. And I'm going to say less. I'm going to say less too. All right, let's go down. Man, we're, we're going together. Yeah, we are. I, I'm, I want you to know, I'm not just copying you. I'm, I'm forming yeah, independent yeah. thoughts too. Forty-two million. If she had said forty-two million, I would have said lower. You would have said less, just the yeah. same, right? The Cat in the Hat, ninety-three million. This is with uh, Mike Myers, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cat you in know, the Hat. I'm going to surprise you and say less. This is from two thousand three. Less than ninety-three million. Are we going to split on this one? We're going to split. I don't know. I think, I think I would say less. I remember it not doing too well, right. but kids still, kids That's always go point. see it. That's a good point. But it's two thousand three, and I don't know. I think I would say less. Come on, then. join me. Let's yeah, go less. Let's go less. Let's go down in flames. All together. right, let's do it. Then. We're wrong. One hundred and one million. Whoa! Damn. All right. Last one. Scarlet Letter, $20 million. Now, the Scarlet Letter was known for being bad, right? It was a uh, a huge, I don't know, was it a flop? I remember just being a, a train wreck because they, they, they put in like parts from The Crucible. There were like all these like different novels they were all throwing in together. Do you remember this? Who started it? it wasn't started? it Demi Moore? Oh, yeah. Right, wasn't it? Yes, Scarlet Letter. Got it. And I want to say it was, uh, it was Scarlet. Who's the Scarlet guy? Johansson. It was the the guy from, um, oh, what's his name? What's the what's the guy's name? Rob Roy or whatever his name was. Why can't I think of anything? Talk for a second, Ari. Right, let me yeah. look it up. Okay, you never heard of Bye Bye Raverman? 
apparently, no, no, apparently really, you've only I, heard of it. I heard of it. No, no, is that Robert Duvall? Oh, Robert uh, Duvall. Robert Duvall. And uh, Gary Oldman. Demi Moore. It was a 1995. Huge What's the amount that our producer Joey gave us? $20 million. Dare we go less? Dare we go less? I'm going to go over. You are. Because I remember, I remember it being a train wreck. But I think it probably made twenty three. Twenty three million is what you're going to say. Yeah, it you, you want to go less than? Well, no, it, it, she's changed twenty, right? Yeah. So I'm saying it made twenty three million. So therefore, I'm going to say it's higher. Higher? Yeah. All right. I think twenty million is a little bit low. All Let's right. go higher together. I remember wrong. Are we really? Yeah. Well, ten it se- million. It made ten million. Three hundred eighty-two thousand. Well, she got us on that one. Wow. All wow. right. Well, now we got to do tiebreak because it's three three. One is more. Is it three three? Yeah, I think so. Right. Okay. Think, think we're tied. One more. One more. All right. <clears throat> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm, yes. All right. Hang on. No. I got to find out what year this was. That was an important 2005 novel. version, I'm assuming, because there were a few different versions. This is going to be well. interesting. All right. 2005 version. This is with Sam Rockwell. Um, man. Yeah. What did she Zoe give? What's the amount? 35 million. Now, I want to say something to you, okay? Because we're on the same team here, you and yeah. I. We're not going against each other. That movie, the book, had a huge cult following. Right. Everybody was reading that book. Yeah. And you had all these uh, sci-fi people. I read it. Did you read it? No. Oh. <laughs> but I have it. Oh. It's on my nightstand. Are you going to get to it? Oh, probably not. What's the amount she gave us? 35. Um, I saw... Did you see this movie? I didn't. I saw it, and I, I think I'm one of the few people that really, you really liked, liked it. it. You liked I it? I liked it a lot. I actually own it. Really? I thought it was really good. You're going to go higher. Yeah, I guess I got to. Well, you have to. The cult following of that book, and they were just thrilled to hear it was going to be a movie. But I think people were disappointed. The fans, I don't think, liked it. I agree, it. but it still had a built-in audience yeah. that was going to go see it. That's going to go see it either way. They, their love of the novel. All right. Uh, higher. Let's go higher. All right. Come 35. on, let's do a tiebreaker. This is it. It made $51 million. Yeah. Ira, we took down we, my wife. That, yeah. Yeah. Here. Deal with it, bitch. Oh, you, sorry. Wait, excuse me? Sorry. Nothing. Nothing. That's my wife I, talking I'm sorry, to you. I'm really sorry. Joey, I'm sorry. I think we better do Joey, some top five. Joey. And hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. All right. I'm a little miffed at Ira for talking right, shit sorry. about my I, I'm really, I about my bitchy I got carried wife. away. I got in the swell of things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? My bitchy wife. Our top five is what this week, Ira? Oh, you know what it is? What? Top five favorite secret theft movies. Secret theft. Secret theft. theft. I like this one. Did you... Okay, question number one. Two questions. Did you think out of the box with your definition of theft? Not really. I'll tell you. Did you go into more linear... I started to, but you know what I did? I just went... I want to have... I want to talk about some movies that I like. So I just picked some movies that I was like, this is fun. So I didn't... I I think you're going to have... So your theft involves... Money or getting away with? Yeah. Okay, mine don't. Um, also, do you think we're going to overlap? I no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Let's go with number five. You want to go first? Uh, let me go first. We'll end with yours. It sounds like you've got a, a hell of a list. I went nuts. So let's, let's build. This is what to I it. do at three in the morning. All right, my number five is from 2015 about a woman who is kidnapped and held in a room with her son, who uh, was uh, never knew. That he was actually kind of, uh, I guess, stolen from the rest of society. But it was a big secret because she had been lying to him for his entire life. But 2015, the movie Room. Room. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think of that as like a secret theft because not only is she kidnapped, which you know is a secret, but really it's a secret 
the reality of the outside world is the secret to this kid. That's what I was thinking. Like, oh, that's kind of a secret theft in Absolutely. a way of, of like the knowledge of the outside world. I like that. Mm. I like that. Thanks, man. What's your number five? Have you seen Room? No. I think you'd dig it. Yeah. I saw The Room. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you'd, you'd really like the first yeah. half. I th- the, the first half is all about being in the, in the room and then you know they escape. And the second half of the movie is about her uh, reacclimation back into society. And it's nice. I, I like it. There's some really interesting concepts that are played out there, but I don't think that you would find that as appealing as the first half. But that's just my thought. Okay. What's your number five? My number five is an HBO movie. Cheaters. Mm. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. 2000. This yeah. is all about the academic decathlon, yeah. which I used to coach. I yeah. coached that uh, for four did years. Did we talk about that recently? Did we? Uh, I thought uh, we did. Yeah. Um, Where they wind up getting the scores, or they wind up getting the answers. The answers to the super quiz. Yeah. The super quiz is the big wowie zowie, and it's very emotional. We, they were able to get the answers. This and Jeff Daniels. Jeff Dan- Robert, look at you. Yeah, and he has that really good moment. He's like, well, this is reality. Robert, like, this is a really great. It's a good you. speech that he gives him where he's kind of like, listen, sometimes in life you get advantages thrown at you, and how do you want to capitalize on them? It's a really cool moment. You're great. He, Jeff Daniels, also Paul Servino. I mm-hmm. like him a lot. I like his daughter. I have a crush on his daughter. Well, never mind. I'm sure. Yeah, okay. But uh, I want to say that obviously they got the questions, they got the answers to the super quiz and the academic decathlon, and that falls in the category of a secret theft. Mm-hmm. They stole something and they didn't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was an interesting HBO movie, uh, Cheaters. And it's a true story. Yes. It's a true story. Yeah, based on a true story. Yeah. My number four is... Uh, is a movie that I've talked about a little bit on this podcast. I don't know if I've had on my top five before, but um, probably the most straightforward of all the ones that I've got on here. But 2006, Spike Lee made a movie called The Inside Man. And it's about a bank robbery. And the way they get away with it is really interesting because uh, the police can't figure out there were several hundred people that were in this bank when it was robbed and they can't they know that one of these people is the bank robber but they don't know which one mm. and they release everybody at the same time including the robbers and so the police have no choice but to try to they interrogate each person and they know that some of them are and some of them aren't the bank robbers and they can't figure out who it is it's a pretty cool concept and that is a secret theft yes yeah it's it's a secret. They don't even the other people because everybody was blindfolded inside and nobody. Wait, knows that's who an was interesting through. premise. Yeah, I think I'd like this movie. Oh, I think you would too. Yeah. Oh wait, were we tied after all? Was it four and four? I thought you, there was. Did I fuck it up? There was one that was. Oh man, yeah. And may, maybe there's an asterisk here. Maybe we didn't beat Joey. Maybe oh, we man. should still do a tiebreaker. Joey, that's a good job uh, producing. You want to yeah. do a quick change? Maybe we'll come back to it in a little. Let's finish our top five first. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah, man. My number four, 2005, the film Steve Jobs. Oh. Now, listen. By the way, first, let's say that it was starring Michael Fassbinder and Kate Winslet. Hmm? Fassbender. Yeah, whatever. Binder. I said binder. <laughs> yeah. Binder, bender, bender. Kate, Kate Winslet and uh, Danny Boyle directed it. Uh, Sorkin uh, wrote the screenplay. Yep. This is all he stole. Now, now I want to say something. Okay. This is controversial. And some of it might be urban legend. It's it's an arguable. Sure. You know where I'm going. Sure. Sure. However, uh, that Jobs did steal from Xerox um, the mouse right. concept of the mouse. Yeah. So there's a I theft. Don't, 
I don't think secret. that's urban legend. I think that's... I did a lot of... After I came up with this, I really? started digging. And they said, well, it's a little bit of an exaggeration. Da, 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 da. Uh, but that's an interesting one, isn't it? I, so, I remember him from what I had seen and read and things like that. Yeah, I, I know in Pirates of Silicon Valley, they talk about that openly where he, Xerox was pissed that yeah, he yeah. was allowed to come Yeah, in. there were lawsuits aplenty. So there you go. Mm. That too was a secret theft. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Theft of a secret. 1999, there was a movie called Office Space where the main character secretly steals uh, a, 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 the nickels, uh, what was that, like the, the fractions of a penny that are left over from all of the accounts and winds up becoming uh, super rich in the process. And he and his friends have to figure out a way to try to put the money back in. It's a big secret. They've, they've stolen too much. Do you remember this? I do. Have it's you been seen a while since I've seen it. I need it's to a see really it again. good movie. I know you love it. Yeah. Yeah. Holds up well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And that too is a secret theft. Yeah. Good. Along the same lines of Steve Jobs, I have another one that's kind of similar to it. Go for All it. All right. The Social Network. Okay. Now listen, the year oh, 2000, yeah. 2000, David Fincher directed, again, Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin wrote the screenplay to yeah. that also. And Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. stole Facebook from the twins. Uh, Indeed. The, the Winkler, what was it? Winkler. Winkler. W- Winkler. Winkleson. Winklerson, yeah, twins, and they settled, they went to court, and the twins were awarded $65 million. Yeah. So there you go. Which is a pittance. It's a pittance to what Zuckerberg has now, but that too was a secret theft. I agree. In 1988, there was a movie starring the two Corys, Corey Feldman and Corey Haim, where one was supposed to get his driver's license, but he failed his driver's license test. But he has a, a date with Mercedes. Mercedes is hot. So he secretly steals his grandfather's car <gasps> in license to drive. License to drive. That's really nice. A young Heather Graham. Very, very hot oh, young Heather, Heather Graham. Graham. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're driving a, I have all... I a crush on her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, then look no further to license license to drive. That's that's a really great... Uh, Do you have it? Yeah, uh, I know I have it. On iTunes. Yeah. I have it digitally. I don't don't have a copy I can let you borrow. That movie holds up really well. It's a funny movie. I think that's that's underrated. It's got some, to me, some laugh out loud moments. There's some surreal moments in it. It's good. And the secret is that, you know, they're stealing. Absolutely. You know, they're stealing their grandfather's car and they can't tell anybody. And it's with and, Heather and the other secret is that he does not have his driver's license. It's a secret to everybody that he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's good. What do you got? 1965, The Collector. Mm-hmm. He stole a pretty girl. He stole yeah. a pretty girl and kidnapped her. Terrence Stamp and Samantha Agar yeah. uh, were the two leads. And uh, William Wyler directed this movie. I have movie. not seen this in you never, so long. It's I Yeah, I saw it in the theater when it first came out. And that too would be a secret theft. I yep. think you can, thieve, uh, you can steal a person, a human sure. being. And he kept her captive in his basement. And... Um, it was a very cool erotic movie. Ending was very controversial. What happened? Very controversial. The ending in the film was that she she dies, and then he goes out looking for another one. Oh, that upset a lot of people. Wyler got a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, flack from that ending. In the last scene, you see him now. Uh, she was an art student, 
in the, throughout the whole film. But now, at the very, very end, he's now scoping out student nurses. Oh. Nurses coming out of nursing school and looking at them through binoculars. And that's the ending that it continues. And that upset a lot of people, including the critics at that time. It was 1965. That would be a secret theft. Yeah. Yeah. My number one is from 1990, Dana Carvey falls into a position where he winds up having to pretend to be somebody else and he is secretly stealing from uh, this family that has grown to know him and like him in Opportunity Knocks. I never saw it. You didn't see Opportunity Knocks? No, no. You can go home with that tonight. You've got that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. So what is it? He's He's a con man. Right. And he winds up, uh, they break into this house and it turns out the guy who owns the house is out of town. And there's someone who's going to come house sit for him. Uh, but the guy who's out of town, his family has never met. But then the guy calls and says, I can't house sit for you. And so Dana Carvey kind of takes over the role. And the family loves him. And he's very charming and everything else. And, of course, eventually the guy who owns the house is eventually going to come home. And his family has now gotten to know this new man that was supposed to be and watching his house the entire time, but it's not that guy. It's somebody different. And Got so it. The, the house of cards is going to fall down on him. You know there's a time limit to all of this, yeah, and how yeah. long can you keep this con going? Yeah. And you know, he's falling in love with the daughter, and it's a very shticky Hollywood 80s film, but uh, it's I got a soft spot for some of the comedy, man. I love it. Nice. I you know Dana Carvey was at the on my yeah. top five last week for a reason, and talking about Dana Carvey so much. You gave maybe, me number one, didn't you? I think, I you think did he's hilarious, man. Yeah. He's so good. But this is a uh, prime Dana Carvey. There you go. Opportunity knocks. What's your number one? I'm excited to hear yours. Okay, this is the one where I woke up with a start at three in the morning, and I thought, "Oh, this is good." I jotted it down, and um, I came up with uh, 1931, the original Frankenstein, because it's about stealing body parts. Oh, nice. I was That's really nice. Proud. I was proud of that one. Yeah, I was proud of that one. It indeed is a secret theft. Stealing body parts, oh, sewing yeah. them all together, uh, and then a bolt of lightning and got a human being. Yeah. Well, kind of. A mach- monster. Um, that's good. That, that's, that's, I thought, that, I think I fired off a text to you the other day saying, you're going to like my, fi-. yeah, I love that one. Yes, that's a um, stealing body parts, secret theft movie. Boom. That's great. Thank you. Hey, man. So we did, um, we did it. Any scoops? Any scoops? I, uh, no, I'm, uh, no, no. Scoops I just came up with one. And it's an what? obvious one. And I was good until I came up with the other. I'm five. sure our listeners are going to write him with about I, a thousand of them. We so. want them. Thomas Crown Affair really was a secret theft. It's not about the theft, mm. but it's about the, the aftermath of it and yeah. trying to unravel what really happened. Sure. That would be a secret theft movie as well. Yeah. Cool. Hey, man. What? If other people have some uh, top secret movies, you know what they can do? What do they do? They can write us. Where? Our oh. email. W- what's that? It's Where? Robert at antiwavepodcast.com. Oh, and don't we also have Ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Or they can send us a message <laughs> through Twitter or Instagram. Our handle over there is at antiwavepod. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? <laughs> we, right we now, really, yes, we, really, we are. Really Secretly, are. we are. <laughs> Go to iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. Go to Podbean. Go to our website. Or throw us a few bucks over at Patreon. Help keep... I always fuck that line up. Help keep the sprocket holes a move. And there you go. Yeah, yeah good. Hey, man, let's uh, thank producer Joey for doing a good Joey. job this week. And keeping the baby quiet for most of the show. Most of the show. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard that gasp. Do you know what we're doing next week? What are we doing I next week? Uh, I want to say it's called like, ad hominem. 
No, Ad it's Astra. That, yeah, that's what I meant. Ad Astra. Man, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, man, Looks me too. It's really nifty, doesn't it? I can't wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. New Brad Pitt movie coming out this week. So we're yeah. going to watch Ad Astra. Yeah. So if you haven't checked that out, we watched uh, the same director. We watched his, uh, his movie earlier on this podcast what when we watched Lost City of Z. Do you remember that? Same director. Same director. Oh, so we'll uh, be checking out Ad Astra yeah, this wow. week. Lost City. Yeah. Maybe we'll have spears flying around. Yeah. Maybe we'll have Brad Pitt on the show. That'd be nice. Probably not, but you know, maybe. Maybe. Uh, So yeah, did I forget anything? I think we did it. I think that's it. Hey man, go watch Ad Astra and join us. Next week. Yeah. And until then, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. Ah, Gunfire! Gunfire! I must leave now. I hurry out of her. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do!